Some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Ha, ha, ooh, ha, ha. And I thought my jokes were bad. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Will you be wanting to bet, Touch, sir? Middle of the day, Alfred. We are the Lamborghini. Entertainment. Let's wind the clocks back a year. These cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. How about a magic trick? What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? <laughs> There he is. <laughs> you see, a guy like me. A freak. Look, listen, I know why you choose to have your little <clears throat> group therapy sessions in broad daylight. The Batman. If we don't deal with this now, soon, little Ben here won't be able to get a nickel for his grandma. Enough from the clown. Ah, da, 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 da. Let's not <laughs> blow this out of proportion. <laughs> All right, Ben, what are we talking about? This nice, week? nice entry, Matt. That was good, dude. Exceptional like the with the uh, grenade prop as well. I know. The old, uh, I think I got this for some like mental health week in the military. <laughs> not sure what they were going for there, but. Really? That's funny. <laughs> What does it yeah, say on it? Stuff. What's it say on the grenade? It says SAPR, which stands for Sexual Assault Prevention. So <laughs> to the audience out there, make sure if you see any sexual assault, hit them with a grenade. <laughs> That's a classic. <laughs> That's a classic military yeah. uh, adjustment there. Strangeness. Yeah, dude. Good, well, good costume. Are you going to rock that the whole show today? Or what are you going to do there? Um, probably not. We'll probably <laughs> can just edit out the 15 seconds while I change real quick. No, but just, just change it. Happy that I had it. It was pretty dope. Take it off right now. We can, I can intro here. Right, talk us through. Quick. So Matt and I, for, uh, episode one, it was a little random. We talked through fantasy shows, house of dragon, wheel of time. Um, we talked through the ring of power, which is you know, I never, I never watched the finale. I just watched highlights. I, I saved myself the hour, and then we talked through some road time, uh, road trip classics: Ben Hur, Ten Commandments, um, Gone with the Wind. And today we're going to start the deep dive series. So in subsequent ep- episodes, we're going to focus on one movie deep dive. Matt and I both watched The Dark Knight. Um, this past week and took extensive notes to dive in Matt, how was uh the dark night i don't know when you had watched it before this week but what'd you think yeah so dark night was probably my favorite movie from like age 10 to like 18 or something like late teens so for a long time it's my favorite movie saw it a bunch of times um i think the last time i had seen it was like right when the pandemic started like some comfort food if you will and then i watched it a couple days ago before we were going to talk about it nice nice what was your uh first impression right out the gate um definitely holds up i'll say the superhero genre has had grown a lot since it came out um I think we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some of our favorite superhero movies, um, but the ones before it, I definitely think you can say that The Dark Knight changed the genre or changed what people thought was possible with this genre. Um, they just did a great job. And I think it's significantly better than the first or the third movies in this trilogy. I actually think the first one is really good. I haven't seen it in a long time, so I should go back to it. Um, and then the third one... Maybe if on rewatch, maybe it holds up. I remember not liking the third one that much, even though I love Tom Hardy and I think his Bane is somewhat hilarious, like unintentional humor with the voice. Um, and then I like Anne Hathaway a lot, but this second movie is like really a killer. 
Yeah, I definitely give the crown to the second movie. I think the third, um, we're not going to get into that. But actually, that voice, Tom Hardy, he uses that same voice on uh, Peaky Blinders a little bit. Uh, his character has a similar voice, so maybe that's his signature. But anyways, right in that. Yeah, I thought, uh, overall notes, I thought that this uh, movie is exceptional. I think the pace is amazing. There's always something critical happening. You're always at the edge of your seat. I think it's brutal. It's gnarly. It's something that we don't see in other superhero-type genre movies, for the most part. The creativity and attention to detail I will say that in creating this movie, no stone was left unturned. There's always a unique camera angle and the plot. It keeps you really, um, like I said, at the edge of your seat. There's always something happening that adds to the the complexity of the movie and the storyline. I think overall, my impression, it was interesting. Up to the first half, I was like, blown away after not watching this for a while second half i still enjoyed it but for some reason my uh steam engine started to slow down i don't know why that was i think um maybe because there are so many arcs that i was caught up really early and then and then it not as much at the end i think that the conclusion which we'll get into maybe isn't my favorite but it's a hard thing to conclude And then I was comparing it to other superhero movies, um, which I can quickly talk through. My basic list was number one, probably number one seat is probably this movie, The Dark Knight. And then a few others that came to mind um, when thinking about it were the first X-Men, Batman Begins, Watchmen, Spider-Man 1, Iron Man 1 and 2, Deadpool Hellboy and then Spider-Man 2. And I will say that most of the recent Marvel uh, editions are on the dead list for me personally. And I think this movie blows them away. But yeah, that was those were my thoughts. Yeah, I think that the very recent Marvel movies have really fallen off. Yeah. Um, but I would say basically my experience with the Marvel movies for years has been that on first watch, they're a pretty pleasant experience because it's kind of silly. They're very winking. Like every movie is just like constant jokes mm-hmm. and kind of like letting the audience know, like we're in on the joke too. And we know that what we're doing is kind of silly, but it's still a good time. Um, and honestly, I would say I enjoyed pretty much all of them at like a B minus level with like a couple of standouts. Um, but on rewatch, those movies are brutal. Yeah. Like it is the complete opposite of what we're going to talk about today with The Dark Knight, where each time I watch it, I feel like I get it a little bit better and appreciate the things that are good. And obviously I have some gripes too. Um, but yeah, like I remember watching Endgame or whatever the last big Avengers movie was yeah. at home. Yeah. After seeing it in the theater, I would have given it like a B plus. thought it was like a good time. It was so brutal. I could barely even get through it. We were like looking at our phones. We're like, yo, this is a two and a half hour movie. Is it almost over yet? Because that was horrible. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about the good stuff. We're here to talk Um, about the good stuff. But we always can't pass up an opportunity just to smash current Disney and just take them down. (laughs) Because we know that our listening, our listeners, we're really extensive reaching, uh, you know, millions of listeners. And if we can hurt that stock, why not? Um, but anyways, yeah, jumping right in. Oh, they might have to take you down for stock manipulation. We need to <laughs> take the price down and then me and Ben are going to invest everything. What the listeners don't know is that we're actually uh, the future heirs of Disney. We're taking down the stock. We're taking over and we are going to bring it back, baby. No. Um, but opening scene, I will say that the dark night, everybody get on your YouTube and watch this opening scene right off the bat. I was really just blown away by the, uh, cinematography and, um, sorry, I was looking at my notes, but yeah, blown off by the cinematography. I will say that the right off you see the building you see the zip line um camera moving towards a building a reflection of skylines in the windows and then the windows get shot out and you're there with 
the Joker's crew setting up the robbery of the bank. And um, as far as opening scenes go, I think it was about as good as you can get sound effects. Everything's raw. Um, the they they blow out the window they push a zip line across from building to building they zip line down and then i thought it was interesting to hear the dialogue of the criminals um talking about how the joker the joker's the boss but they don't know that the joker's in on the robbery with them and i thought that was interesting dialogue and then the scene itself of having them go through, get everyone on the ground, and then put live grenades in their mouth. I think that's just so, it was just, it blew me away how gnarly and raw that was. And that's not something that I don't think I've ever seen in another superhero movie. I mean, not, it's just, it's yeah. realistically demented. So on rewatch, it definitely hit me a little bit differently just because when you're a kid, you, kind of just roll with the punches yeah. but now thinking like yo they just pulled the pin on these grenades and then handed them to people like it's pretty wild um yeah i loved the dialogue in the opening scene it was nice and simple kind of laid the baseline of what story we're in right now um i know that it's an homage to heat um which is a michael mann movie but it reminded me of the movie thief which we actually watched together mm. when you're here i think it was the first time for both of us um it's basically where they are breaking into a bank vault and really kill the movie. Um, and that's what this reminded me of. And then also what you were saying earlier about this being a good, like this movie is such a good YouTube movie because yeah. the plot is good. And I think we're going to talk about that more, but like you said earlier, it does kind of, it's like over plotted as the movie goes where there's too much happening, too many arcs, too many side not even too many side characters because lots of movies can make that work just something about it loses momentum i think you said yeah so this is a perfect youtube movie i would say like go line up that opening scene that's six minutes of adrenaline and the moment at the end where the joker pulls off the clown mask and he's like whatever doesn't kill you makes you stranger mm -hmm. and he puts a grenade in this dude's mouth and the first time you watch it you don't know that this is a smoke grenade you think He's about to blow this dude away. That's like that is a killer intro. Where you're was just like, was wow. that a smoke grenade or was it some sort of a gas to make him die or pass out? Mustard gas. You don't know. By his like relieved face, I feel like it was just like a clown gag grenade. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess they don't specify what it was. I totally agree, though. Yeah, when you watch this, maybe when we watch it the first time, you're younger, you kind of nod it off. But then when you watch it again and you compare it to other movies, it's just gnarly. And um, I love that. And they're killing the other crewmates. Like, yeah, yeah. This is a savage gang. Like, he literally has the perfect setup where he steals all the money. And then when he's sidestepping, you don't even know that it's Heath Ledger yet. But this performance where obviously going to keep talking about this but he destroys this performance when he's sidestepping slowly kind of awkwardly i kill the bus driver and then the bus driver pops out that's like a combination of a great actor playing the joker and then the direction or plotting from christopher nolan the camera's on the joker and then it kind of gets wider and then all of a sudden the bus comes flying through the wall yeah that's just awesome and and i will that. say that one other thing was the bank manager getting I that was raw violence too when he had a shotgun and he was obviously in with the mob and he came out like a savage himself shooting um to hit uh the Joker's crew he ran out of ammunition and then the Joker shot him and actually just to contrast I watched this I didn't watch it recently but I watched uh I mean we're talking maybe 2 months ago whenever it came out I watched the, one of the Rock's new movies um was a Netflix movie. I think it was called Red. Yeah, Red Notice. It has Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot. God bless Gal Gadot in it. And <laughs> that movie was so frustrating to me because not once in the film do they show someone get shot. They shoot machine guns the entire film, shotguns, and not once does not once does a bullet hit. At least you're not that you're aware of. And I googled it afterwards, and they didn't show a single person get shot because they didn't want to entice violence or something along those lines. Is it PG? Is it PG thirteen? I believe it's PG thirteen, but 
it's just like a, a and not a great choice, not a great movie, but it got a lot of. I'm sure they put a lot of money into it to get those actors, and it got a lot of views. And I just think contrasting something like that to this, to where in the first six minutes it's just absolutely raw, real. Actually crazy that this movie's PG-13 almost, because I'd say the violence and the intensity is as much as anything I've seen in any movie. There's just no cursing. So I guess that's the cue. These mm-hmm. these days... That's like the secret. Keep keep it to PG-13. Let's, and no nudity. Let's not use the F word and let's oh. not show boobs. So... Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know society's going down the... <laughs> that's, that's what it is. I mean, <laughs> compare this to the old school rated R movies. Um where you know rambo one is i don't i mean it's rated r but you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's not even uh close i would say in some ways yeah so anyways random tangent getting into it act one they rob the bank and then and then what happens matt um so act one is more focused on like batman's normal tempo so this is basically what i would say um the joker definitely pushes the action of this movie but act one is kind of pre-joker this is to put us into batman's shoes what is his normal tempo like so he's fighting the mob this is a very like chicago or new york or something type crime city and the batman is taking over for the cops because they're not doing a good enough job getting rid of the bad guys so he crashes a meeting between scarecrow who i think you pointed out um, in your notes was like a good continuation from the first movie mm-hmm. where you bring that villain forward. <laughs> and so Scarecrow was there and he's selling drugs to the uh, mob or whatever. And there's copycats there. And so I was kind of wondering what you thought about the copycats versus Bruce Wayne. Like on the one hand, obviously Batman is doing a lot more damage to the bad guys. And I mean, it just looks like kick ass, but they kind of do have a point. Like, I don't know when they were saying that I was like, this is like the first seedlings that maybe Bruce Wayne is like a little bit deranged, like that. He is so into this. Obviously he's much more um, like doing it for a better reason than they are maybe, but they're still like trying to fight the bad guys. I don't know. Yeah. I guess my take on it would be like a modern day parallel. Um, Like there are people, this sounds crazy, but there are people who dress up as policemen and they try to be policemen. And I think what Bruce Wayne is getting at is that's just not the right way to go about it. I do think that Batman as a figure, he, he's there to inspire better people, greatness. He's, he's certainly there to inspire fighting crime. Um, but I side with him on this, that you don't want random people dressing up as a specially trained, uh, icon of Gotham city. Um, he also doesn't kill people hypothetically, at least for most of the movie. That's like his one rule. So yeah, actually I don't think he kills anyone. Right. And they all have guns. So yeah, they would be killing people. So that actually is a nice moral line that I think can separate like Bruce Wayne from the copycats. Yeah. Um, although we do both know that up in LA every night you can find me in all black and ears fighting crime (laughs) (laughs) and throwing down with the local game. And I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, a copycat because there's no original Batman. That's actually me. And I actually am in with the local gangs. I'd say that the gang violence um, is less of my focus and just more the petty theft against average people. Um, mm, I like it. But uh, anyways, moving on. So there's that first scene, copycats. I like the scarecrow presence that he's in the third movie as well. Um, and we'll get onto this later. But obviously, I think the Joker would have been a continuation in the third movie also, um, if that was an option. And then second, let's see, it just goes to Bruce Wayne, Alfred conversation. I don't really have anything big to note on there. Gun in courtroom. I don't know what the best way to go through these scenes are. Unless it's a good intro to Harvey Dent. Yeah. I noticed that in my notes, most of the scenes that I wrote down are about the Joker. Yeah. Which I think it just shows that he's the one who's pushing the plot. Like Harvey Dent is interesting. Um, basically protagonist i read a short interview from christopher nolan who basically said that he wrote this script 
with Harvey Dent as the protagonist mm-hmm. because Batman Begins was kind of Batman's story. And then this movie was Batman's pretty much the same. Like he doesn't really have an arc. Um, I mean, he, he, he does actually, that's not true, but he never, um, changes nearly as much as Harvey Dent does where he goes from truly the white knight, like the best guy, which is where he's introduced here. Um, to what he ends up as, as Harvey Two-Face. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so he's dating Rachel, um, which is Batman's old lady friend. I thought that the acting change was a good choice. I think that she's really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's recovered from her Tom Cruise love life. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other one, though. Oh, is it? it? I don't know. <laughs> I think so. Is it? Oh, I'm sorry. God. No, that's funny. God actually. bless her. What is her name? I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect. That's her. um the sister of the guy who dated Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah, you're right. So this is this is Maggie right Gyllenhaal. Now. Is she related to Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, I think that that's really his sister. Maggie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know you didn't date Tom, Tom Cruise, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean Harvey Dent's an interesting character because i like and we'll get into this maybe we'll talk about it more but i like the idea of him the idea that batman can disappear and that there can be an actual human character who takes over as the safety savior of gotham um but like modern day politics you can never trust them and they get corrupted in one way or another this was an extreme example getting half his face blown off and going around trying to kill people (laughs) using a coin but uh, in today's politics, it's probably just uh, the greed of power and money that corrupts them. I will say the one scene of him in the courtroom was interesting because um, this is a side note of me being petty, but a gun is pulled on him while he is in it, uh, questioning somebody and there was not a bullet in the chamber and the bullet uh, didn't shoot. And he said, you better buy American than Chinese good luck for Harvey because I don't think that's very likely that a uh, mob, that an actual gangster would be carrying a uh, weapon that's going to discharge but or not discharge. But anyways, I know so that one, it was like a cool intro. It was a cool, a it was a cool intro made him, made him look tough. Uh, quick note. One thing was definitely a trend that I noticed throughout this um, before we get into really the, the bulk, I think of like the main scene of act one, which is the Joker, uh, his first interaction with the mob. One trend I noticed throughout this movie is that Bruce Wayne is just an absolute baller and extends all, um, I mean, every, every scene of him is doing like the absolute power move. And I liked that, how he showed up to dinner with, uh, Harvey and Rachel with the main girl from the Russian ballet who was just like stunning and um, how Harvey said I don't know if we can put the tables together and he said oh I think so because I own the place so I do I actually yeah. I really like this Bruce Wayne and in comparison to the newest Batman um, the new Bruce Wayne played by my good friend uh, the vampire <laughs> I'm really gonna botch this podcast by not remembering names. Christian Ben Affleck. No, you're, no, you're thinking about Pattinson. I'm thinking Pattinson. Um, yeah. Ben Affleck's not really even on my radar hardly, but um, <laughs> I will say that Batman was just seemed like a little bit more like a abused child, just kind of emo and in his feelings. Um, which I guess is an angle you can take. This Batman is a little bit more like baller. I kind I kind of like this Bruce Wayne personally, but yeah, yeah. I would say he. I definitely think he's the best Bruce Wayne. I think that Batman. People could make their arguments for a couple different ones, and they're all kind of in the same ballpark. Uh, but it, when it comes to Bruce Wayne, like you want someone that looks like a movie star, who's incredibly confident and charismatic. Like, I'm basically thinking of someone who would be like a succession character, mm-hmm. but not douchey, like actually has all the money, bosses people around, good luck sleeping in the courtroom, like has the Russian ballet. So anyways, takes yeah, the Russian ballet on a boat as his cover story. Yeah, he's a perfect Bruce Wayne. So let's and so then let's get into this main scenes here. So the Joker, should I cue the Joker laugh real quick? <laughs> So the Joker, wait one more time. 
So that's that, actually my second favorite Joker laugh. My favorite one is so bizarre. Like I'm wish that we they just had side views on set. The one where he's slow laughing, where he's like he ha who he yeah yeah ha, yeah, 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 yeah. It's so weird it's and creepy. So good. It's like <laughs> so talk me through this scene. Joker walks into the room, entering the criminal underworld meeting with the mob. Yeah, not very good security for the underworld there. He just True. comes in in his purple suit. Maybe he offed some guys, probably. Yeah, I mean, definitely believable. He he murders a dude with a pencil in the first, like, 15 seconds. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, this is just a tour de force of acting from Heath Ledger. He shows up, completely owns the room, like any movie star you want to, but it's not... Um, like a normal movie star is just so charismatic or good looking that you identify with them and you put yourself in their shoes. This is like the opposite of that where it's almost like um, um, the bad guy in that murder movie that I can't think of right now, but he goes, I ate your liver with some fava beans. <laughs> yeah. Silence of the lambs. Silence of the lambs. Yeah. So it's like, the opposite of charismatic, it's like grotesque and scary. Mm. But he just rolls in the room with all these other bad guys and basically just dominates them. He tells them, I bought this suit with your money. I am pointing at Lao, the Chinese guy on the TV screen, who I think is some of the weak points of the plot is everything to do with him. Mm-hmm. But he points at him and then he takes his hands and he goes, he's a squealer. Mm-hmm. Like that is just great physical acting where you're just like, Ooh, like this guy is on another level. Yeah. And then he basically tells them his plan is that he's going to kill the Batman and he wants half the money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's witty. He's smart. He is charismatic. I think that he, one thing I noticed is he doesn't like a little aside is he doesn't like, getting picked on uh i think like mm-hmm. when uh gamble's trying to make fun of him and cut him off you can kind of see him like wincing out of the side of his eye i liked that um as well and how they say he's crazy and he said i'm not you know crazy mm-hmm. um, he takes like offense to it he's like i'm not i'm not yeah and then keep going exactly yeah. so that's a great uh setting scene i'd say with the joker heath ledger uh amazing that would have been really interesting to be on set and see that go down. Um, I wonder how much of that was directed and or improvised um, or from Heath Ledger's imagination and brain. There's something I read about him locking himself in a room for, I, I should Google this, I guess, to confirm, but locking himself in a room for a matter of days and then emerging as the Joker. So I think his uh, level of commitment to this role was pretty incredible. So he sets the scene with that and then it goes to uh, Hong Kong, which is, I guess a Joker talks about how the Batman will come get the money regardless. And he does, he goes to Hong Kong much more of like a mission, mission impossible classic um, Mm -hmm. scene, but I enjoyed that. I like the tech. um, And I mean, I like, I, I like the, real world application that even though we know this isn't a real story and Gotham is not a city uh, in reality, although fun fact, they filmed this in Chicago. I like that um, there was some real world application, you know, they're in Hong Kong and Chinese, they don't extradite criminals, which I Googled and that's real. They don't extradite criminals. America will come on America. Uh, China will though. (laughs) And uh, China, America, they're shipping us right off. They're shipping us right there. And we're getting thrown in a cell in France. Um, Perfect example is the guy from uh, catch me. If you can played by Leo DiCaprio, he true story. He did get extradited and he got thrown in jail in France. But um, anyways, and then they use South Korean smugglers and they fly in with this high tech plane and they use this balloon thing to, you know, to exit strategy. I liked that. It seemed, it seemed, I mean, it was very tech mission impossible, but it felt realistic and it, it felt applicable. Yeah. It was basically like a side mission, but uh, so from that sense, like with the plot, I didn't feel like it was like that integral, No, but I do think it was entertaining and it looks 
Like, it's basically a dope excuse to have, like, their Mission Impossible scene where he's standing on top of the building, jumps off, and then the whole part um, when the plane takes them away. Like, that just looks really cool. Um, so, yeah, I was fine with it. I felt like I was fully invested at that point. I guess just back to our point, there's just so many arcs. I mean, already we're 15, 20 minutes into the movie and uh, like three main scenes have happened. Things that could be the main scene in another, another movie. So I'm still a hundred percent invested at this point, but it is a lot, you know, there's not exactly a lot of backstory um, and probably why they made the Joker as an individual movie with Joaquin, because there isn't a lot of backstory about who he is and where he came from. So I guess, where do you want to, I think that's, you think that's, well, I was going to say, I think that's a good thing. Like, I think it's cool um, that this is like their version of empire strikes back, basically where you don't have to lay all that groundwork. Mm-hmm. You can just like hop straight into the action. I think that a lot of problems that we have with Marvel movies today are probably because the intros are so like, either boring or they're like stupid don't make any sense Mm. kind of pointless and it's like you don't actually start the movie until like half an hour in so maybe i was coming off as more negative than i meant to be i think that it's great that they just hop right into it and you're in the action and so i i thought the act one overall i'd give like a solid a i thought it was really good yeah definitely um any other things you want to show you want to highlight one thing bruce showing up to his fundraiser event with three models i loved that personally showed up late in the helicopter that's per, that's how i whenever there's like a social gathering or event i always show up either in a lamborghini or a private helicopter with three models it's just like how i roll so i could relate to bruce in that is there any other thing you want to do it any other thing you want to highlight there no, I'm ready for Act Two. Okay, this is when it two. really pops off. All, All right, right, it starts popping off. What happens? Uh, first, the Joker he makes a threat on the three lives: um, the judge, the police commissioner, and Dent. And this, I mean, this is just like cool little snippets or snippets. I like how the cutting it keeps you like so engaged in the action because it goes from one threat to the next to the next, and then it repeats. And so you see like the intro of the judge. And then you see the intro of the police commissioner. And then you see what's happening with Dent at the party. And then it goes back to the judge. She gets in the car, explodes, and the Joker cards go everywhere. The police commissioner takes a sip from his whiskey or whatever. And um, Commissioner Gordon hops at him because he realized that he's been poisoned. And then that's when the Joker walks in um, to the dinner party or fundraiser or whatever that uh, Bruce is having for Harvey Dent. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, that's just like two minutes of like insane action and the music is really going. So that's when I think the movie really hits its stride. And the next 45 minutes is just like some of the best action movie and definitely the best comic book movie that is out there. Yeah, it definitely like goes through that um, just that no stone left unturned as far as a plot, like really creative to come up with the three ideas to kill uh, the people. And, uh, yeah, there's three different, really three different assassination attempts happening at once brings you in. I think it's, uh, pretty amazing. One little random fact at the fundraiser event is both Bruce and the Joker don't drink their alcohol. I know that's not really applicable. I did think that was funny. I noticed the Joker. He basically like swirls it out of the the cup. Yep. And then Batman just throws it, tosses it Mm -hmm. out. That's part of his Bruce, uh, like cover up basically that he's this like alcoholic male bimbo, but then the real Bruce Wayne, he's like hyper intelligent focus knows that he could be Batman at any moment. Yeah. So let's see. So yeah, what happens? So he has, he, he puts the assassination on the three and then, and then what? I like um, well, one part that I would point out was I think that this is the second time where he's telling the story about how he got the scars. And this mm. is like a close up. He's holding Rachel just like so um, almost like romantically, but he has a knife on her face. So it's like not. And that's just a great piece of dialogue. He really he Leatherger is really chewing it at that moment. Like he's really digging in. Um and I like the variability where the Joker doesn't have a backstory. You don't know where he come from. He's just, he is chaos energy. Like there is no 
way that you can understand him. Um, and then he drops her off the side of the window and Bruce goes flying out after her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't have another scene until we get to the chase scene. So was there anything between those two moments that you wanted to talk about? Um, man, there's just so much in this movie. Like, no, I mean, I, I would say that's the main thing I, I did make a note that when, I don't know. I just think it's, there's so much going on in so many complex angles and additions to the story during this. It's super interesting when walking different, watching different story. Yeah. He talks about how his wife actually gave him the scars rather than his dad, which I thought was an interesting parallel because of how he's holding Rachel. And then when, uh, the Batman shows up, I did like just the scrappiness of the Joker fighting, like the Joker, he not only is this figure of horror and, mayhem but he's tough you know like he'll Mm -hmm. fight like he's a fighter like and he likes it he's psychotic to the level where he gets punched in the face and he laughs and he you know pops a knife out of his boot and kicks the batman it's just pretty like (laughs) the shoe knife is epic you gotta have you gotta have a shoe knife if you're not (laughs) if you're not walking around in a purple suit boots and a shoe knife you are just lost and you're one you're one step behind the batman you know, it, it's what I always, it's what I always say. So he, Batman saves Rachel, uh, which side note, going back, Rachel totally gets turned on when Harvey Dent almost gets killed in the courtroom, which I thought was semi strange. She's, I know she's a good character and like, we all want her to survive, which she does. But at the same time, she's a little freaking crazy, man, because she's getting turned hey. on when Harvey almost dies. She's really liking getting thrown out the window by the Joker and being saved by the Batman. You can tell she's overwhelmed with sexual energy. Um, I'm not here to kink shame. I say <laughs> it. Fly that flag. <laughs> so, embrace your inner danger. <laughs> embrace it, man. Embrace it. So let's hit. I think the next one is the car scene. Car scene. Okay. So car scene. Hit it. Movie. You you label you labeled as possibly the movie's best scene. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that. Um, it's just the type of action scene that I don't, I actually don't think most directors could do. Like it isn't just the planning of it, but in actually executing the physicality of it with the explosions that look real. It's not like, I mean, it probably is CGI. It's just good CGI. Like that's what they, they need to get better at if that's what it was or it was real. I honestly don't know, but the Batmobile getting blown up, that just looks amazing the physicality of the bullets hitting the side of the van that Harvey's in. It looks cool. It sounds great. Um, And then just the menace of the Joker where he starts with a little pistol shooting it. And then he gets a shotgun, does a couple blasts. And then he pulls out an RPG and the guy in the passenger seat, is that a bazooka? Like it's just really um, well paced, really satisfying and then the batman pops out into his motorcycle which is just like a really cool moment like when you're watching a superhero movie obviously the story is important but the main thing is spectacle which i think is one thing that some of the newer superhero movies have done correctly but it still isn't near as good the spectacle of batman popping out into a motorcycle Mm -hmm. zooming through the and the music is like just booming he's going through and then the moment when he shoots the little cables goes around the joker when he's in that big semi truck plants them goes up the wall in this weird mechanical like drives up does this crazy twist and then lands down again meanwhile the joker semi pulls the cables taut and completely flips over that is so cool. Like that is just the thing where if you're a little kid and you showed up at a movie, you'd like, what can you imagine? That would be the coolest thing you can put in this movie. That scene is. Yeah. I will say all those things. Um, the Joker's weaponry. I mean, we're talking pistol shotgun. Uh, I like the fully auto pistol. That's pretty gnarly. And then the, yeah. uh, and then he pulls out the silenced MP five or something. And, then the semi, I mean, I just Googled it. I wish I would have looked this up earlier, but that has to be possibly the best stunt I've ever seen up there. Um, and that's real. I, think I mean, so. I mean, they did that. And so it looks like they did it twice. It's, it says, um, 
to get it. And then they did two different angles, but yeah, unbelievable. And then you just can't believe that it happened. Like it just, you're just like, wow, like that was crazy. Yeah. Um, and then the bat or the Joker standing in the middle of the street saying, hit me, hit me. Uh, he doesn't get hit. And then the Batman w- wheels around him. Batman could have, and he could have saved some lives though, man. Do you think that That's the fatal think- flaw that I wanted to talk to you about? Yeah. Talk if to me. He just kills the Joker. Like, is that not a net good for the world? It is. If he just shoots him with his big old cannons on his motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, he's got the rule not to kill anybody, but maybe he misses out there uh, by potentially saving lives. And then as we know, the Joker is sitting in uh, prison ready to come out and cause mayhem again. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. I don't know. Maybe maybe the Batman, maybe the Joker was right and that the Batman needs him and that the Batman likes it. He likes having a rival that matches him. I don't think that's really what it is. But um, anyways. They they couldn't kill him because, it, you know, it's too early in the movie. Too much is going on. <laughs> so chase scene. Amazing. Um, OK, let's keep going. So the next act, act three, they've got the Joker. Um, so it seems like they're going to win. Rachel's going in there looking sexy, kicking ass, messing mm-hmm. with the Joker's mind. Um, and then you there's a problem, but we don't know what it is. And it's actually a really cool scene when they're in the dark and Commissioner Gordon is talking to the Joker and then he takes off his handcuffs and he says, if we're going to play games, I'm going to need a cup of coffee and walks out. Um, That guy's name is escaping me right now, but he's been in a lot of movies and he's just like a really classy, good actor. Um, And then the lights flip on. And this is one of the really strong moments because we're getting some extended time between Batman and the Joker which is the most important relationship in the movie. And Batman slams the Joker's head in the table and the Joker just does not give an F. He's like, never start with the head. It makes the victim feel all fuzzy. Mm. And then the Batman is basically beating him up. Like he's just mauling him. Batman in this movie, he's obviously he has the tech and he is like super smart, but his main thing I would say is like his physicality. He's basically able, he knows I'll be able to beat the other guy, whether it's with my tank or with my fists. And the Joker just gives no Fs because he doesn't care about his physical well-being. And so Batman is beating him up and he says, you have nothing to threaten me with, nothing to do with all of your strength. And so I think that that was a really good moment for their relationship. Yeah, I like, you know, I think that Batman in that scene is kind of relatable because Joker is talking ben, about I think Rachel lost, and yeah. makes him crazy and gets under his skin. Um, it just goes to show, man, women. I think we lost connection. Hey, what's up, brother? So I was going to say I cued the music for intenseness, but <laughs> I think it just goes to show that women, dude, are the kryptonite to our superman batmans that she caused harvey dent and batman to both go crazy one thing i liked about the interview scene as far as cinematography is the camera angle was really close i mean it was like a, a good like, right here on, uh, like on, right up on in his face. face which i thought was cool that's something i was paying attention to i mean i like breaking certain rules and and thinking beyond uh typical rule of thirds but yeah, great scene. Uh, I guess the summary is Joker gets out of jail and yeah. All right. And so at this point I put down surprise convo because I wanted to talk to you specifically about this moment um, that we kind of skipped over. So he has Rachel and Harvey Dent hooked up to these drums Mm. and he tells Batman that he has to choose who to save. And I didn't even notice this the first time I watched this movie, but then on rewatch, I noticed that the Joker has switched it. So I assume that that was intentional, basically just the Joker to ensure whoever he tells the Batman to go to, he's going to screw him. So if the Batman goes to save Harvey, he'll get Rachel and the Joker wins. If he goes to get Rachel, then he gets Harvey and the Joker wins. So that's like some super diabolical stuff. Mm. But so he goes there, Rachel rest in peace gets blown up and 
the Two-Face becomes the Two-Face. He gets half of his face blown off in this oil. Meanwhile, the Joker has implanted this IED in this poor dude's chest. And he gets a phone call and blows it up. And then takes a police car and drives away. And I wanted to talk to you about this specifically. Because a couple of years ago... To use another Nolan term, I was incepted with an idea um, from my good friend, Sean Fennessy, who's a movie critic who works at The Ringer. All right, so a couple years ago, to use another uh, Nolanism, I was incepted with an idea that has stuck with me when I watched the movie a couple years ago and then this last time. And I know that this doing this pod is going to be good with you because you have such a good eye that you completely stole my thunder and basically texted me the exact same thing that I was going to tell you in the surprise convo. But what he said was, "What would how good would this movie be or what would happen if you had just cut this movie, ended it at some point in this stretch? Mm-hmm. And they just moved on. But that has stuck with me so much because I think that if you cut this movie, if it ended with either the Joker driving the cop car with his head out the window, a crazy shot of pure chaos. Or you could do it while Batman is um, standing like the wreckage. It looks like almost like 9-11-ish, where he's just standing in the wreckage of this building. Or when he's standing and Alfred is going to give him this letter from Rachel saying that she chooses Harvey, but instead decides to keep it. If you cut that movie right there, I think that instead of talking about this as this is one of the best superhero movies ever, I think that we're saying that this is one of like the 10, 20 best American films ever Mm -hmm. because the themes are completely changed where the Joker wins, chaos wins, like order is not good enough to conquer something that can't be controlled. It's complete anarchy and it's a much more dark movie, but I still think that it would have been a satisfying end because At that moment, Batman has to accept that he can't do things this certain way and accomplish what he needs to. And so I think that if they had cut the movie right there and then the third movie was Batman winning against the Joker, then I think that we look back at this movie the way that people look at Empire Strikes Back, which is the second of the Star Wars movies, where Darth Vader basically wins. Like, the bad guy wins. And Darth Vader is so menacing because of that. Because you don't know, maybe he will win. The Joker could have had that same ending. And that's what I wanted to talk to you about, because it blew my mind when he said that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that my only qualms with the movie, I mean, it's a great movie, but it's a lot of a movie. And it's uh, it takes you through this emotional roller coaster where about an hour and 30 minutes in, you're there, you're tapped out, and then you still have another hour. I think it's two hours and 19 minutes long. It's still another hour of an arc. And that last hour of an arc getting into, uh, you know, Rachel dying, um, Tom Cruise was sad, I'm sure. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, Harvey Dent getting saved and then Harvey Dent goes wild. And then the Joker blows up a hospital, which is incredible and wears a gown. And then, uh, it goes to, um, this whole boat scene where, you know, the people are required to blow up the other people and it just becomes a lot. So. I agree. And there's there's good stuff in it's that. It's all great. Four. No, it's all great. It, it's yeah, just it's a good lot. stuff. It's just yeah, it's just like too much. You get lost in the plot. The the film loses momentum. And if you ended it a little bit earlier on that high note of chaos, like that is just a, like that would have been such a swing and I don't think it would happen. Definitely would not happen with any superhero movie now yeah. because they're money machines. Well, not, and well, they not can't. Marvel, not Marvel because yeah. Marvel's Marvel, but it could happen uh, elsewhere. And this would have been an opportunity. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, had Christopher listened to my advice when he was directing, he might've, <laughs> he might've tried that. No, nah, I mean, I know it's definitely great. Um, and it's just a lot. I mean, I feel it though. Like even talking about this, there's so many arcs and so many highlights that it's like, it's yeah. like we can just zoom through this last act. There's, it's like we're talking through uh, a full television series in, you know, an hour and a half. Like there's that much in this movie. It's like every 10 minutes is could be a, a movie. Pretty crazy. 
Um, yeah, definitely. So is there anything else you want to touch on for the movie itself, Matt? And then I got some, like, um, I mean, I, I guess know. we can just skip to the ending and then we'll kind of do some big picture stuff. Um, basically how it ended. I just didn't really, I didn't love the ending. Um, the sonar vision stuff. I thought it was kind of cool, but it, I didn't think it made any sense at the ending when he's fighting the Joker and he like, can't switch it off. And then the Joker like gets the upper hand on him. And then he does something cool where he like shoots the little batarangs at the Joker and then saves the Joker Joker's life. Um, and I thought it was a really cool shot when the Joker's hanging upside down. I thought that that was a quality send off for him. Yeah. Um, but it was just kind of, it, it's like the movie is just like still going and it's still going at like a good level, but you're already have the emotional contentment that you were looking for. At least that's what I got from it. Yeah. Same. I mean, it's good. I liked it all. Um, I think like you said, it was just, it's just a lot. I think the fairy yeah. scene is well the hospital gown which i had already touched on that's amazing that whole scene i really like i think the fairy scene is it's fine i mean i like it it's a diabolical plan one can blow up the Mm -hmm. other neither end up doing it so batman is saying that there's faith in humanity and then the joker goes to blow them up and he gets stopped i personally don't have that much faith in humanity i think someone would have pressed that that button <laughs> i know um, i thought that the main criminal was a g for throwing it out the window yeah. but i thought the civilian dude he was ready to pull the trigger yeah i think that what i think in reality what goes down is just somebody presses the button i'm not sure if it's the criminals or the people but you know there's someone bad on each boat that's willing to press that button um i yeah. did like the scene of the g throwing it out the window and had that happened, then I think that the people would have let her blow, let her blow and uh, blown up those criminals. That's my personal thought. Um, tough look. Yeah. So one line I'm going to talk about is uh, there's the character who works with Bruce who is trying to blackmail him based on his uh, like financial reports because he's essentially backing and funding the Batman. And so he puts two to two together about how the Batman is Bruce Wayne and he goes to a talk show in order to talk about it. And the Joker puts a hit on him and um, he is asking for help. And I can't remember what character says it. I think the commissioner says, uh, well, maybe the Batman can save you. And I did think that was one interesting parallel not, super i mean maybe semi-relevant but um how a lot of people today in today's society they feel like they're powerful and that they have power but in reality they have a very little ability to protect and defend themselves and whenever something goes wrong they rely on civil servants to defend them even though they spend all their time hating on those people and i'm not saying by any means that civil servants are perfect there's certainly bad uh policemen uh you know etc etc but I did like that parallel to the guy thinks he's very powerful until there's a hit on him. And then he wants the Batman to save him after he was trying to take down the Batman. So I don't know. I kind of thought that was an interesting uh, thing. Yeah. I think that that's a good connection. And then I'd say the closure on the Batman on the Joker. um, I think, I think also maybe we'd be talking about this a little bit differently. Had there been, uh, had Heath Ledger not passed away and him been in the third, because they kind of did yeah. leave that open ended, and I'm sure he would have been. Um, because in the third, there's that massive Arkham uh, like breakout, and a lot of criminals joined Bane, and I bet you the Joker would have been there. So, uh, yeah, I think that Tom Hardy was really good as Bane um, in a good performance in a solid movie. Um, and I actually really like Tom Hardy as an actor, but I didn't necessarily love him as Bane. He was like good, but not great. I think that Heath Ledger was like the De Niro of our, of your generation of our generation. And he sadly passed away. And so we're never going to know what his next, the rest of his career would have looked like. But I think that you look at um, like Brokeback Mountain, um, the movie where he plays a night's tale or the movie um, that my wife really likes. Um, where it's like a high school sweetheart. It's like 10 reasons I love you yeah, or something. That's a great, that's a great movie. Actually. I really like that. He's movie. so good in that movie. Yeah. He's super charismatic. He's in the Patriot. Dom, 
Yeah, 10 Things I Hate About You. That's actually a great movie. Okay. That's like a good ode to 90s. I love that movie. Yeah. yeah, it's like classic, like a remake of like Shakespeare, basically. Yeah. Just like throw some modern paint on it and then we've got our script. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think just to talk about the Joker, I think that he put he was the catalyst that pushes all the action in this movie. And that's why I wish that they could have just ended it with his moment of triumph, Mm. because I think that his moment is more impactful than any of the other characters, even though it is interesting to see what happens to Harvey. But Heath Ledger is the Joker. He's the engine to this movie. And when we were talking about at the beginning about YouTubing, if I'm going to YouTube this movie, I'm going to YouTube scenes that have the Joker in it. Like personally, I'm YouTubing Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've, Ben's YouTubing the Russian dancers. I'm YouTubing the ballet dancers. I have to use the restroom real quick. Let's pause and I'll be right back. All right. That's all good. One thing I wanted to talk about here, and this could be like a good, um, actually real quick. I think that, <laughs> I think that this could be a good um, joke. No, I'm just kidding. So, but one thing I didn't <laughs> want to talk about, which could be a good uh, clip, because you know, people were all about clips and gaining viewerships. I know we're already at two million, but let's go for three. I wanted to talk about um, some thoughts on the characters and specifically on villains. So, I but was thinking about villains that I liked and the Joker definitely Heath Ledger's Joker stands out as an absolute, uh, you know, exemplary performance. I am not a true movie critic, even though we have this podcast and I do not have not seen Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Have you? I have not. That's a big hole in our, well, I love Jack. I've seen him in a lot of other movies, so I imagine he was pretty good. We're going to repent. We're going to repent and do that. that. I saw on a YouTube uh, clip, an interview with Heath talking about how Jack Nicholson was an amazing Joker and how he took a different angle. So I'll have to watch that, but some villains that I stood, uh, stood out to me and Matt, you can let me know if I hit the list complete or if I'm missing anyone or who stands out to you, but I liked the Joker uh, Heath Ledger. I really like Magneto from the X-Men. I I don't know if he's maybe in the first four, um, but specifically in the first and the second X-Men. I like Syndrome um, from The Incredibles. Loki, I think, is a cool and relatable story about, you know, essentially one loved brother and then the other one kind of gets rebellious, kind of like Matt and I, how I'm diabolical to take over the planet. And then <laughs> I liked Green Goblin. I'm a, I have a soft spot for the original Spider-Man um, and Bonesaw. Uh, but yeah, Green Goblin, I thought was a good character. I do like Doc Op as, Oc as well. And then Bane is great and Scarecrow. So those were my best villains. I honestly have a bit of a black hole of current Marvel because whenever I watch those movies, I just skip through them. I really like the first Iron Man and the second Iron Man. And then uh, I strangely liked the second Hulk, which I don't think anyone really watched the second Hulk, but yeah. Is the second Hulk um, like the funny one? No, the second Hulk was with... Is that the um, third one? There's too many Marvel movies, man. Dude, it's a, money, and, it's a money just pot, baby. It's a pot of gold. It's amazing. Marvel movies are, are, I think, one of the main problems with them. I wish that they shifted a little bit away from the interconnectedness and moved more towards each one is going to be like... Independent. Uh, standalone type thing, and then maybe have a smaller tie-in. Or some of the movies are tie-in, but some of them aren't. Because I, even having watched a lot of them, I find them to blend together so much. Well, and that's, I have a hard time even recalling them. And that's my problem with the villains. The, the reason why the villains probably don't stand out to me is because when you pair 10, or even I'd say even 5, but 5 plus Marvel characters together, one of them being Thor, which is a god, um, in order to combat that the villain has to be just like you have to be going against some other god or obscene figure to be a villain or some Mm -hmm. other group of villains and so it's just 
when you you get that group effect that you don't care. Whereas the villains that I like, it's a one on one, and you actually get a little bit of the villain story developed. You understand who Green Goblin is. You understand that Magneto just wants uh, rights and freedom for mutants, and that's relatable. So maybe that's why I like the old villains. But who's your famous fav, uh, favorite other than the Joker? Um, yeah, I think that Heath stands above um, all the villains. I thought that Loki was pretty good. I actually I like Thanos. I think that Thanos was a good example of what you're talking about, where if it's a group effect, you need this like otherworldly, unobtainable. He's so much more powerful than everyone. I thought that he was pretty good for that. Um, and actually, Magneto, I love the original version. Um, and I actually really like Magneto from the newer Marvel movies. Those movies weren't that amazing. Um, but I actually think um, he's played by Michael Fassbender. Who's a great actor. I think he did a really good job with him. Um, other than that, yeah, I think it's pretty slim pickings. Like the villains, the villains should, they should be more fun than the heroes. That's what I don't get. I would expect that more actors would be down to do a villain role mm-hmm. because for those roles, they only probably have to do one movie. They can play this wacky, zany character and like knock it out of the park. But it just hasn't been that way. Most of these villains have been absolute snooze fest. Yeah. I will say this is another random uh, node, but I mentioned Watchmen at the beginning. We should talk about that movie sometime down the road. Have you you've seen Watchmen? It's going to be a strange rewatch with Lauren when the uh, love scene, dude. Twenty story penis comes, blue penis dude, comes that, out. That is true. There's nothing better than uh, Doctor Manhattan's <laughs> massive penis, and then there's also nothing better. <laughs> Then the love scene uh, to the song Hallelujah, just amazing. Mm, love that absolutely song. Absolutely amazing. Hope Actually, it doesn't ruin it for me. Whenever, whenever, well, no, it will make it. It will either ruin it or make it. That Whenever I get romantic now, I have to play. Uh, actually, I play Jeff Buckley's version of Hallelujah, and I time everything perfectly with the song. But I like Watchmen. Amazing. I remember watching, I remember seeing this movie distinctly when I was too young. I had a fake ID where I could get into nice. our movies. And it was actually a terrible fake ID. Like I print, it was printed. I printed a piece of paper and I edited the age. I was 16 or 15 to where I was 18. And they never asked for me to take it out of my wallet. But just because back then the wallet I had had a see-through thing, I would show it to them and they'd say, okay, cool. Um, and I would go watch. I watched the Watchmen. And I remember being like scarred. I was scarred by that movie because I was too innocent and young and there were arms breaking on the screen. Anyways, this isn't about Watchmen, but that is so hilarious. Yeah. I feel like if you go for the under 21, whatever ID you got is good enough. Like, yeah, they don't care. Whatever like, come on in, you in. Um, anyways, I'm going to give my overall thoughts on Batman dark Knight out of 10. Eight point eight. That's what I give it. What do you give it, Matt? I would give it an eight point oh, with the caveat that I think if they had ended it at the point that we were talking about earlier, I think that that first hour and forty minutes is like a nine point nine. Like that is probably not only because of nostalgia as a little kid that was my favorite movie for like a decade, um, but just focusing on Heath Ledger more. I think that that movie is like a 10. Um, but yeah, that's that last hour. I really get lost in the sauce. And I mean, maybe like an 8.3 or 8.4. Actually, I, lo- I love this movie. This is one of my favorite movies. There's just some really obvious flaws with it that I wish could have been ironed out. Yeah. And that's no that's uh, that's obviously I think for both of us, no knock on knock on the actors or the characters or anything. I think those are Definitely those not. are perfect and pristine and the cinematography's pristine, the dialogue pristine. It's all really honestly there. But uh for me it drags on a little at the end and I'm not no Christopher Nolan, so that's just my opinion, my take. But uh Yeah. You know. And I think that we're Nolan heads. Like I think that if we keep this podcast going for a while, we'll probably cover um, at least like three or four of his films. I think that he's an awesome director, one of the best that we have going right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that The Dark Knight is a great achievement, even if I don't think it's his best movie. Um, but it's really good. Yeah. 
we got Memento, Prestige, Interstellar, Dunkirk, Inception. I actually think that there's some other directors I like even more, but yeah, he is good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. I think that we should save the Christopher Nolan conversation for our next movie that we do of his. Um, so that I can review and prep up. Well, per, I mean, for me, speak for yourself. For me, I've I'm a I am an expert on all things, and I'm ready to jump in. No, I'm just kidding. I actually think I've seen all of his movies, um, and most of them multiple times. Um, yeah, um, I'm sure I'm sure you would beat me on on that. So, well, people, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. There was a lot in there. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. There was a lot in there. I think that this is the episode two that Matt and I have done, and it's only going to uh, evolve and develop from here. Please leave a review. and uh, Five stars only, baby. Five stars only. If it ain't a five star, just know that we can track your IP address, and <laughs> we are coming for you. And that was a threat. So YouTube, you can take this down now. If you're watching no, on YouTube, don't demonetize. If you're watching on YouTube, please like it, subscribe, leave a comment. If you dislike it, YouTube doesn't show dislikes anymore, so it doesn't matter. Do what Just don't even bother. You want. If anything, like or dislike this because it will boost our engagement, even if it's a fail. Um, there you go. And uh, yeah, feel free to go and donate to my Substack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't have a Substack. Anything else? Any other takeaway thoughts, Matt? Or is that it? That's your Joker energy. No, I don't have anything. I think Heath Ledger rules this movie. He's what will be remembered, his performance in like 50 years. If any superhero movies exist, it'll be because of his performance. I agree with you. People, thank you. Take care. God bless. Stay motivated. Watch some good movies. <laughs>